What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. So we, we started something last Sunday, um, a new series. It's always, uh, it's always smart to start a new series the Sunday before Thanksgiving because everyone's going and traveling. But you, you got to do what God says do. So we started, uh, I, I've been wrestling actually personally with it for a couple of months just with um, me, me personally being distracted in this season. Is that okay if I'm honest with you this morning? is that I have personally dealt with distractions in this season and being, being kind of pulled off center of where you should be going. I'm not talking about living in sin. I'm just talking about almost as a pastor and as a leader. There's so many things going on. I'm sure y'all can relate to this. In this year and in this season, it's so easy to allow yourself to be kind of pulled a little bit off to the right, a little bit off to the left, and, and, and go down a path. It isn't even necessarily a bad or an evil path, but it takes you off of the, off of the focus of where the gospel is and what Jesus is doing. And so, I, I, you know, let's even talk with my pastor. We're having a great conversation, and we're just talking about, man, like what, what we need to, for this year, we need to take out of this year what God is speaking to us in this year and make sure that we carry it with us into the next year. And, and not just be like, this is, you know, we, we've got to get out of this mindset that says 2020 is about keeping our nose above water so that we can barely survive and get through and then eventually everything is going to be okay. No, we have the ability and the privilege and the right as children of God and as people of faith to thrive in this season and to thrive through this season and to bust through the brick walls that are trying to box us in in this season. So um, so I started talking, like, you know, what is it all about? And I felt like God was speaking to me. I want you to get back on mission. I'm like, okay, what is that again? You know, so literally, literally like you, like for us, like we go back to what, when it comes to mission, what is mission? And, and, and really, you know, as a church, you come up with mission statements, and, and businesses do it too, and it's good because it gives you an idea of, like, this is what we're about, this is why we exist, and it helps you stay on track. But the cool thing in the kingdom of God is that you actually don't have to be creative and come up with a mission. Here's the cool thing. God already has a mission, and God's mission already has a church. And so for us, we just have to make sure that we are aligning and realigning ourselves with what God has already said, and what God is already doing, and make sure that what we are saying and what we are doing is in alignment with what he already said. Now, here's something that's really cool about God. God does not have to say a new thing to do a new thing. Think about that for a second. We're like, God, I need a new word. I need a fresh whatever. And, and, and he does that, but here's the secret. God's actually just repeating himself. He's just repeating himself. We're the ones that have to rehear it. And maybe for the first time or maybe for the 1,000th time, God doesn't have to speak a new word to do a new thing. God's word, whether it's, whether it's right here or whether it's through his Holy Spirit, like God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because it's his word. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what he speaks is not going to contradict who he is. And what his spirit says and does is not going to contradict what he says or vice versa. 
So we have to understand is that it's our responsibility to tap into what God has said, what he is said, and what he has said about tomorrow, and make sure that we ourselves individually, if you're married, then your marriage, if you have kids, your family, whatever it may be, that we are choosing to stay on mission with what God is speaking. So I'm not going to re-preach last week's message. That's why we have our podcast. That's why we have our YouTube channel. And that's why we put volunteer hours in there to make that resource available. So get yourself on there and stink and subscribe to the YouTube channel and listen to this stuff and get on our podcast. Come on, listen, there are plenty of voices that you can listen to all week. And I listen to a lot of them as well. But don't forget where God has placed you in this church. And what we speak on Sunday isn't to fill time on Sunday. What we say and do on Sunday is to fill your Monday through your Saturday with purpose. And so as we are speaking into the mission and the existence of who we are as a church, then make sure that you are continuing to digest that word and that environment throughout the entire week. Can I get an amen? amen. Y'all ain't going to get tryptophan tired on me this morning. I know y'all are still eating turkey sandwiches and and all them leftovers, so I'll, I'll try my best to keep you all awake today. So on mission. So this is the thing that kind of, that, that God was speaking to me for today. And um, when Jesus showed up on the scene, let's, we're talking about the Gospels, uh, the, the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the record uh, that records the, the, the life and the actions and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Um, he did something very, very important. I, if, it's, you know, if you think about Jesus in the context of who he is and what he's capable of doing, you're like, he doesn't need followers. He doesn't need people to do things for him. He's Jesus, right? He, doesn't, he, he wants people to, to get the message. He wants people to receive the message. He wants people to respond to the message. But he doesn't really need people to do stuff for him. He's Jesus. But ironically, some of the very first things that Jesus did when he began his ministry was he called people to become a part of his ministry also. He was creating the team. If I may be as bold, I think he was creating a dream team. If you're a guest, that's what we call our volunteer team here at Combo Church, a dream team. And they're awesome. So let's go to Matthew chapter 4. And, uh, and, I, and I do apologize that these scriptures will not be up on the screen behind me. The reason is that literally before coming out here, I was looking over about seven different specific passages for today and wasn't sure where uh, we were going to start, but we're going to start in Matthew chapter 4. And, uh, and so if it's not up there and you don't have a, a physical Bible, you can always very quickly download the free YouVersion Bible app. Every human on the planet should have this on their phone, and uh, it puts the Bible at your fingertips, and then you can go there as well. And we're talking about disciples today, talking about not just disciples in general, but being disciples and making disciples. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 4, and let me read a couple of uh, a couple of verses here, and then we're going to skip to the, actually the end of Matthew because I want to paint a contrast picture for you today. And in my heart, my goal, and I believe it's the goal of the Holy Spirit is through the message today, is that God is going to paint a picture of something that will challenge you as a Jesus follower. If you're here today and you're not a Jesus follower, you're not even sure about this whole thing, you don't know if, if Jesus is real, this Christianity thing or the church thing, that's okay. I want you to know you're in the, you're in the right place. 
You're in a place where you don't have to look the part, act the part, talk the part. You can just be you, do you, come into this environment. And we believe that it's actually the job of the Holy Spirit of God to bring transformation into people's lives. So it's not about us not judging you for the sake of you just doing whatever you want. It's us realizing that our job is not to judge you. Our job is not to change you. That's God's job. And we believe that it is actually his kindness, not his giant Louisville slugger baseball bat that brings change into your life. And so that's why we say it's safe to be here, even if you don't believe what we believe, because this is going to be an atmosphere and an environment where you're going to be inspired, you're going to be encouraged, faith is going to be built, and you're going to be loved by people who are going to honor your journey and hopefully point you in the, in the direction of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So is that every, we're all on the same page now. Good. Fantastic. All right. Um, verse 18. And in the Bible, you got chapters, and then you got verses within a chapter. We're going to verse 18 of chapter 4. And it says, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, which in other translations, he's called Peter because Jesus changed his name, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Any, any fisher people in here today love to fish? Nobody. Okay. Jesus called out to them, come and follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And it says, and they left their nets at once and followed him. I love that. Am I still going? Yeah, I'm doing a couple more verses. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee. What a cool name. Repairing their nets. And he called, he called to them too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Leaving everything that was behind them and beginning to move forward and follow in a new direction. All right, now I want you to skip ahead, and there's a whole lot of really good stuff between chapter 4 and chapter 28. You can read that later, but right now we're going to skip ahead to chapter 28 and just kind of hold that place for a minute. Chapter 28, and you can go to verse 18. Interesting, we were in Matthew 4:18. Now we're going ahead to 28, 18. There's more, there'll be more to that later. All right, so hold that spot. So, so to, to be a Jesus follower, I really think today, today's message, guys, is going to be super simple. But it's so important. We've got to get this understanding. We've got to get this inside of our spirit. We've got to get it inside of our mindset. Because can you imagine what our world would be like? I'm not just talking about Convo. I'm not just talking about Reno. I'm not just talking about Nevada. I'm not just talking about the United States. Can you imagine for a moment, what our world would be like and what our world would look like if those who encounter Christ actually began to follow him with a passion and an intensity like we saw with the early disciples. Can you imagine? All right, so before we beat ourselves up, let's put it in a little bit of context. Because when you read throughout the pages of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you see the interactions that the followers of Jesus had with Jesus, it was not always a pretty picture. So we have to give ourselves some grace, right? We have to realize we are not, okay, I believe in you, Jesus, I'm saved. Boom, all of a sudden, I've got it all figured out. Great, all of a sudden, we're perfect. All of a sudden, we're not making any mistakes. No, constantly, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, were constantly screwing it up bad. And... and and it, 
I love the moments where it says, and Jesus would explain it, explain it to his disciples more later, almost as if, guys, what the heck? Let me, okay, fine. Let me break this down for you again. And then they would ask a lot of really dumb questions. And I know, I know you've been told your whole life there's no dumb questions, but there are. The people who say there's no dumb questions, they just love you a lot. So, and then you, and then you pass that, that, that perpetual lack of truth onto your children. Be like, oh, there's no dumb questions. But then you don't finish the statement. Anyway, moving ahead, moving ahead. Um, so, so we've got these disciples, and, and yes, they, they sacrificially literally dropped what their life was and began to follow Jesus. And they left behind careers. They left behind relationships. They left behind a completely different path and direction of life. And what that, what that is actually painting a picture of is repentance. Because the repentance, um, unlike what we tend to think it is, because I know for me, maybe not you, but for me, when I hear the word repentance, for whatever reason, the first image that I get is the angry people on the street corner with the bullhorn and the big sign, right? That's just me. I'm still wrestling with that healing taking place inside of me. But it doesn't greatly communicate the heart of God. And so repentance is actually such a beautiful, beautiful word because it means that we were headed in the direction of destruction, but even though we didn't deserve it, God in his love and his mercy and his grace and his kindness encountered us and showed us the way of life and gave us, because we still have the right to choose, right? And he gave us the ability through that revelation to respond to him. So repentance doesn't mean that you are religious and all of a sudden perfect. It doesn't mean that, that you're judgmental. It means that you have now changed the way that you think and you've turned 180 degrees. Back before I knew math and geometry, I was like, and you do it. 360 for Jesus. And I'm like, wait a minute, we're just still going the same. 180 degrees for Jesus, you know. And you walk in a different direction. Not just a different direction, the opposite direction. Because without Christ, it doesn't matter where you think you're headed, we're headed for destruction. And we're headed for destruction for a reason, mainly because we deserve it. The way our hearts are broken, the way that we treat other people, the way that we struggle with things that are separating us from God. But God in his infinite love and grace reveals himself to us through Christ Jesus to all humanity in all times and says, here I am, I love you, here's my kindness, here's my love, this is who I am, this is why I came for you, I came to die for you because there's a punishment you deserve, but I love you so much I don't even want you to have it, so I'm gonna take the punishment upon myself so that you can have new life. But what do we have to do? Put your faith in me, put your faith in me. God's saying, trust me. He's saying, will you follow me? And so with these, these, and this is just four of them, but with these disciples and with all the other ones who would respond, which includes you and me, we get to be in that number as well. Becoming a disciple is a picture of repentance. We are going one direction, we are countering Christ, we are changing our direction, and we're following after Jesus. So when we look at the mission of the church, and I'm not talking about the mission of Convo Church, like I said, God already has a mission, and his mission has a church. The church's responsibility is to make sure that we don't get distracted to the left and to the right, that we stay on mission with what God has already spoken. And if, we, if, we, if you're wondering, well, what exactly is that? We don't have to look too far back to the ministry of Jesus because what Jesus came to do was to establish the kingdom of heaven on earth, to, to let people know that what is a reality in heaven can also now be a reality here on earth through the life of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're like, well, what does that look like? We can do that for another time, but it's a beautiful thing. 
It's, it's completely different from what we are used to experiencing here in this world today. But God is saying, not only can I just do this and make this happen and, and you get saved because salvation is that point where you say, you, you recognize who the revelation of Jesus is, you put your faith in him. It says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. That means that anybody can do it. You're like, how many Bible verses do I have to have memorized? We would highly suggest you work on that, but zero. It's not going to get you more saved. It's just going to help you understand more who God is. So, so salvation is also a progressive revelation. Let me explain that. Because some people get you know, afraid in, with different words. Progressive revelation. So here's, let me give you an example. So my, we've got three kids. And when they are babies, we tell them that we love them, we love them, we love them. And then they learn words and they get to talk. And eventually, when they're younger and they're not, they're not ashamed that they have parents, and none of my kids are, they love us still, but they, they're like, Mommy, Dad, I love you, I love you. And they have an understanding of loving their parents. But then they get a little bit older, and they have a little bit deeper understanding of what it means to love their parents. They're like, Mom, Dad, I love you. It's not Mommy and Daddy. Mom and Dad. And then they get a little bit older, and they're like, mm. That's them saying they love you, but they can't actually say it during this particular season of life. You know, before they want to hold, they want you to hold their hand and take them into school, and and later like, hey, can you park around the corner and drop me off? Love you. I love you too. I love you. Our kids never did that. Um, but check this out. But there will come a time when when our kids get married, and they will say, Mom and Dad, I love you. And then there's going to come a time when they give us grandchildren, prophesying this in the name of Jesus, and they will say, Mom and Dad, I, I love you. Why? It's a different, and then there's going to come a time, and it can keep going and going. But that's, that is, that's like the progressive revelation of salvation. When you understand who Jesus is and you respond to the reality of Christ, you are saved instantly in that moment for eternity. But there is still a progressive revelation of that salvation that takes place. Because the more you get to know God, the more you understand what you've been saved from. And it actually deepens your salvation because even though, even though our spirit is instantly saved, we have a soul that needs to daily be reminded of who we now are. Our soul being our mind, our will, our emotions. I don't know about you, but I need my mind to repent every single day. It needs to be saved every single day. And I'm not talking about the, my eternal aspect of it. I'm talking about my today aspect of it. And so when we have this revelation of salvation, this is what the disciples were experiencing. And so they had a whole different expectation of who Jesus really was. Even as they followed him, guys, give yourself some grace because if, if these guys and some of the others can follow him literally, seems like 24-7 for three and a half years with Jesus, not Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I'm talking in the flesh, and still not really understand what he was about, then we can give ourselves grace when we don't always understand what God is always about. But here's the thing about a disciple is that you don't stop short when you have failures. You continue to get back up and you continue to follow after Jesus. The reason you're even able to do that is because, again, the grace of God becomes real to those who continue to call on his name. And Jesus himself, his spirit is the first to reach out his hand and pick you back up and dust you off and forgive you and love you and say, okay, you good? Let's continue to go. You tripped up a little bit, but keep following me. Where we get ourselves into trouble is when we begin to believe that we have received and learned what we need to, and now we no longer need Jesus' direction. Yeah. 
That's where we get off mission. That's where we get off track. So let me read, let me read this to you in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 18. We were Matthew 4, 18, but now we're in Matthew 28, 18. And again, this is Jesus speaking to all of his disciples. This is at the end of the earthly ministry of Christ, right before he would ascend back to heaven, right before he tells the church and the, or the early disciples, hey, make sure you go and hang out in Jerusalem. I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to send my spirit, so don't go yet. This is what he says to them. He says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That's actually a great underline. That's a different message, but you need to understand. Sometimes we treat the devil like he has all the authority on heaven and on earth. We treat the devil like he's all-powerful. We treat the devil like he's everywhere at one time. We treat the devil like he's all-knowing. No, that's God. The devil does not have the attributes of God. You need to understand that. Jesus has all authority on earth, I mean on heaven and on earth. Like, isn't this the, isn't earth like the, the realm of, of Satan? It's like, maybe, but it looks like he's got no authority. So We're going to stand on that. Okay. He says, I've been given all authority, heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. This is important because he doesn't say teach them all the commands of the Old Testament. He says teach them all the commands I have given you. And if you were to be a quick Bible scholar and think about the commands that Jesus gave, Jesus basically summed up all of the Old Testament commandments in two. Love God, love people. Love God, love people. How? Not the way you think, the way Jesus did. How did Jesus love the Father? It's like, yeah, wasn't Jesus God? Yeah, he was. But he also honored the Father, and he loved all people. Those are the commandments. So teaching them to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, this is so good, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. So in Matthew chapter 418, say 418, 418. Jesus was calling his first disciples. In Matthew 28, 18, say 28, 18, he was commissioning all of his disciples to do what? Go and make more disciples. Now, I'm not saying this is something that we should camp out on, but this is something that, that popped out to me, and it kind of, the more I thought about it, it kind of blew my mind. Matthew 4, 18, Matthew 28, 18, the, the difference between the two in multiples between chapter 4 and chapter 28, how many math majors we have in here, is 7. What is, what does seven mean? Thank, thank you, yes. <laughs> That's how you've lived in math class, right? The teacher says the answer, and you're like, and then you shout it out, you're like, got it, nailed it. <laughs> so the difference between chapter four and chapter 28 is a multiple of seven. Seven times four is 28. All right, well, what traditionally does the number seven represent in scripture? Completion. So I'm not, I'm not, trying to, I'm not going to write a book about this. I'm just saying this is something that popped out to me in Scripture is that the completion of being a disciple from when you are called or when you respond to Jesus and when you are a complete disciple isn't, and that doesn't mean that you stop being a disciple, but the difference is, is that you are now not just being a disciple, you are now dedicated to making disciples. Last week, we kind of talked about Martha and Mary and, 
And uh, one of them was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and the other one was working, preparing the meal and cooking and getting everything ready, and she was frustrated. And Jesus says, hey, listen, the one who is sitting at my feet is the one that's got it figured out, and I'm not going to take that away from her. But check this out. You can't just sit at the feet of Jesus and be content as a Jesus follower. You have to have another component. You don't take away the fact that we have to be at the feet of Jesus. We have to be learning. We have to be developing that intimate relationship with God. But you also have to add to the fact is that when we are living on mission, we're not living for ourselves. When we're living on mission, we're actually living to exude the same heart that Jesus had when he went up to people who were unqualified and undeserving and said, will you come and will you follow me? Because when you look at the crazy disciples, not just the 12, but even the others that, that became the 72, when the 120 that turned into the thousands that has become a global movement for over 2,000 years, we see the underqualified, those who don't deserve it, those are the ones who seem to be responding to the name of Jesus. Paul even later goes to talk about in one of his letters to some of the early churches that, hey, God is looking to confound the wisdom of the wise. The message of the cross is confusion to those who think they've got it all figured out. It's like, wow, wow. It's what, what happens. It's not just about your salvation. It's not just about you being comfortable. It's not just about you finding a church where it makes you feel good and it tickles your spirit and it makes you feel comfortable. No, it's about realizing that you've been saved by someone who was on mission, Jesus Christ, and he didn't just save you into something, he called you into something. And guess what? What God calls you for, he will eventually qualify you for. Because he's not looking for the qualified, he's looking for those who are willing to say yes. How many people, we hear about the 12, right? Sometimes I think to myself, and it's, it's, this isn't you know, articulated in scripture, but sometimes you try to think about stuff. Like, I wonder how this happened. And I begin to think to myself, like, I wonder how many people he asked that question to that, that said no, or that had reasons. Like, ah, I would, but actually there are, some, there are some moments in the Gospels where that happened. Hey, come follow me. I, I want to, I do, I really do, but um, just started this business. And so as soon as I kind of get this thing up and running, then I'll be able to really just give it everything and follow you, Jesus. Well, um, geez, I would follow you, but let me, let me, let me bury, let my parents, I want to kind of see my parents uh, before they pass away, and let me, let me take care of that first. And so there's, and those are just a couple of examples that were in Scripture. So what we're getting at here is that, listen, there's always going to be reasons to be comfortable in our Christianity. There's always going to be reasons why we, why we shouldn't do what we know that God is calling us to do. There's always going to be things that keep us from thinking that we are qualified to be disciple makers. But here's the thing. You don't have to make a disciple of yourself. You need to make a disciple of Christ. And so if we're going to be on mission as a church, we better make sure that we are dedicated to pointing people to Christ. Yes, Paul does say, it's actually one of the other scriptures that I had up here. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, kind of towards the end and into chapter 11. Um, he's Actually, no, it's 11.1. I'm just talking to myself right now. He goes, and you should, he's talking to the church in Corinth. He said, and you should imitate me, but he doesn't stop there. We could do that, right? Hey, you don't know what to do, just imitate me. Well, I don't think we want that. I don't want people to be like me. 
I want people to imitate me just as I imitate Christ. That's a big one. That's what Paul said. He goes, imitate me, because sometimes somebody's faith or somebody's experience, they don't know how to find Jesus and to follow Jesus, but they can see you. So the question is, what do they see in you? If they did start to follow you so that we can point them to Jesus, what would they see in you? Would it point them to who Jesus is? If not, that's where we need, as disciples, to take inventory and to say, God, have I gotten off mission? Have I allowed myself to be distracted to the left and to the right? Have I, have I made the main thing something that's not the main thing? God, would you help us to get back on track? Yeah, you hop up. I'm gonna wrap this thing up. Um, every, Every month, Right now in America, uh, 1,500 pastors are leaving ministry right now. Every single month in America, 1,500 pastors are, are leaving the ministry. And, um, and so if you think of the, the ripple effect within the kingdom of God, because when leaders go down, people who follow leaders also tend to go down. So unlike ever before, we've got to get our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because when we we fix our eyes on individuals, individuals are going to fall short if those are the ones that we elevate on the pedestal. Yeah, we have leaders. Yes, we have pastors. We are those. (laughs) And, And there are people sitting in this room who are going to turn this world upside down for Jesus. And some of you think it, but some of you don't even realize it yet. But check this out. If we, for one second, think that we have acquired what we need and we know enough to just go out with our gifts and our talents and our charisma and our energy and our vibe, we're gonna fall, we're gonna fall short. But if we continue to stay on mission and we continue to, to obey the things all the commands that Jesus has given us. And if we make sure that our responsibility from that point is to teach other people to follow those same things, I'm telling you, there's, there's no pandemic that can stop what's gonna happen through the kingdom of God. We don't know when, I don't know when the craziness is gonna, I have no idea. We don't know what, what marker is gonna be the mark where everybody feels like, hey, I feel like life is safe now. We, we have no idea. We don't, if 2020 taught us anything, is that we have no idea what 2021 is gonna look like. We have no idea, you know, so we can speculate, we can make plans, which really stinks for visionaries, because you're like, where would I do this? Maybe, you know. That's where we start throwing out, if it's the Lord's will, you know. It's like, <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing, right? So, so this is what we can say about what is ahead of us is that if we will allow ourselves to not get comfortable, to not allow excuses and distractions to keep us off of what God is doing in our lives and in our church, and if we refuse to accept excuses that are going to limit what we can be and who we are, and we allow ourselves to stay focused on what Jesus did and what he has called us as his disciples to do, 
and we realize that the heart behind everything that Scripture tells us is to love God with everything that we are and to love people the same way that Jesus loved us, then I'm, I'm willing to tell you that there is absolutely nothing that can stop us. Because we can have thousands of intellectual arguments about religion and about faith and about who's God and what this, but the moment when people come into contact with the tangible love of Jesus Christ, there's no argument against that because that's gonna be an experience that transforms lives. So many of you that are in here and even watching online, there are, you are who you are because you experienced the supernatural love of God. There are people that are here, again, people watching online, you, you were atheist, you were agnostic, you were a different religion, you were following your own path, but you encountered something that completely superseded every argument, every experience, every scar, every broken person that hurts you. And it completely went against everything else that the world had told you, and you realized you had just encountered something supernatural. That's what our world needs. And it can happen through a word. It can happen through an action. It, it can happen through a gift given to awaken. It can happen through service in your church. It can happen through your invitation to a friend, to a family member to come to church with you. It can happen through an encouragement. It can happen through you deciding that at your job, at your place of employment, that you are going to be a light in that environment. When everyone else is talking about how much they hate their job and how much they hate their boss and how horrible life is, that you're the one who can show up and begin to shine in that environment. Because eventually those who are stuck in darkness will be distracted by light. And they're gonna wonder where that light comes from. We have an opportunity, church. We have an opportunity to be what God actually said that we can be. And we don't have to be limited by what's happening in the world around us. Thank you again for joining us on the Convo Church podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories, and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.